Chef Boyardee is post-mentor. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, it was always going to be Leia. Could have been Baby Yoda. <laughs> wow, what a huge oversight. There's just a hole in the Death Star. Like, what the heck? You know, just like, board that up or something, you know? And jumped onto Wikipedia. I was like, oh, there it is. I refused to get on the walk. You're listening to the Star Wars Archives, a Utini.com Patreon-exclusive podcast. Your regular deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Star Wars universe. Discussion, analysis, Easter eggs, and obscure books you've never heard of. And now, here are your hosts, Jose and Trevor. Hello there, you have tuned into episode 81 of the Star Wars Archives, the Utini Network podcast where we take a random Star Wars topics most of the time and explain the living band that put you out of it. I am Jose, aka Joxie in the Utiniverse, and joining me today, having had his memory restored after 13 years, the best companion to travel the universe with, Mr. Trevor Davey. I'm Trev, keeper of a time when I is over at utini.com, spent my entire life consuming Star Wars and other media, and have read over a thousand Star Wars books and comics. Jose. Yes. What What's that word in your spiel? When you're, I am Jose, a.k.a. Joxy, in the, in the what? In the Utiniverse. In the Utiniverse. We're, we're going to talk about not Star Wars for a bit now, because we've both <laughs> been geeking about this for a while. We're going to talk about the Hooniverse. The Hoon, oh yes, a Hoon, well, and that is why, you know, as I said, you're my, so my first... you're the companion today, or am I the companion? I think probably I'm the companion. <laughs> so I've, I've got to ask, first of all, so where do you get your Doctor Who? What do you watch it on? What platform? Um. Well, I, this year I watched all of New... Is it on Disney Plus now? No. All of New Who, except for the new specials. Um, I watched on uh, on Max, on the HBO Max, whatever, app. But is it on Disney Plus? I don't think all the other uh, they haven't added everything else yet. Just the, just the specials. Do you have Do you have all everything else on on your end on Disney Plus? No, we've got it all on BBC iPlayer. Mm. They launched November first. They launched, They put everything oh, on there, including like all classic? the classic, Ooh. all the classic, all the Torchwood, all the reconstructed episodes yeah e- everything but they bundled it under this hooniverse banner oh. so now for every episode you know like star wars has that thing with all the helmets yes what what do they call it like a, it's not a stinger is it but it's a thing that comes before yeah it's, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a word for it sure so they've done one of those for doctor who now so before anything you watch it comes up with the hooniverse and I hate it. What does it do? Because <laughs> I mean, I assume that on the so yeah, we don't have any any of that on on where I watch it. But I did notice that on the uh, Disney Plus, it comes up with a general BBC one where it has like it's like a little bar, like rainbow colored yeah. bar. That's different than the other Doctor Who stuff that I've been watching. And and I get it. They want to lump it all over under the same banner and make it standard and like a franchise which it is but i hate it <laughs> what I hate what it. is it like it's it's just it just says like you know 
Hooniverse. That's it. With a little animation and everything. But like I said, like the Star Wars banner with the helmets and then yeah. it just says Star Wars with that little fanfare. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like that. But again, and I cannot stress this enough. I hate it. Oh, so 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 listeners, guys, if you you know, just to make it very clear, yeah, we're talking about Doctor Who today. Um, I mean, we'll talk about some other. I mean, we'll to go back to Star Wars at some point. But yeah, I'm sure we will. But yeah, but it's a Doctor Who episode. <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> Basically. So, because so, we've just had the three David Tennant specials. So, episode three aired yesterday. By the way, this episode will go out Christmas Eve, Jose, ah, to our patrons. Perfect. So, just in time for the Christmas Day episode. Yes. Will that get aired Christmas Day in America? Um, or will it be behind? It's. Wait, this. It comes out. Yeah, I mean, probably the twenty fifth. And I'm I'm thrilled that we're getting a Christmas Day Doctor Who again because it's been a while. Yeah, it's it's become a tradition that you have your Christmas dinner, you watch Doctor Who, you fall asleep, and then watch it again on Boxing. Nice. Night. That's kind of how it works. Nice. Yeah. Um. I assume. I mean, you know, now that it's, I mean, the whole thing is is very interesting, right? Because they, I mean, with um. Now this is this joint venture with Disney and BBC, and I'm curious to see how much BBC is able to push, like Disney in terms of how when to release it and and all that kind of stuff. When clearly Disney's pumping a lot of money into the Doctor Who machine right now, and and it's a really weird thing, isn't it? It's like it's a weird collaboration between the BBC and Disney because. The BBC still get the final say, yes. clearly. They get the final say story-wise, editorially, release dates, structure, yeah. all of that stuff. It's still the BBC, but they now have a big pot of cash where they can just do what they want Right, with. right. Well, you know, and Trev, since you're out there in some in, in Wales, <laughs> yes. uh, uh, in the UK, um, why don't... You tell us a little bit more about like your history with Doctor Who and just like because from what I understand too, I mean the BBC hasn't hasn't been the one airing they haven't aired all of Doctor Who. It used to be oh, yeah. from another they have No nope. No, always, always BBC. It's so it's always been BBC. The the very first episode, I don't know whether you've watched the Adventures in Space and Time document not documentary, but dramatization. The very first episode went out on the same day Kennedy got assassinated. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and they had massive high hopes for this show. Mm-hmm. And then nobody watched it because it was the day Kennedy got yeah. assassinated. So it got like bumped up the schedules because the news overran or whatever. So then they like re-aired it either the next day or the next week. Mm-hmm. And people fell in love with it, went nuts for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's always been BBC. It's always been like a key BBC okay. product. Because like I I read somewhere and I'm not I'm not trying I'm not definitely not debating you on this but <laughs> I, I had read somewhere and maybe they just had their facts wrong but but um, sometime in the New Who era there was it was like the 100th like BBC episode but obviously there's more than a hundred episodes <laughs> and then I was a little confused yeah. and that's why I was like wait so have they not had it the whole time. Um, there's like 650 episodes yeah so i don't know what that was about so that's why i was gonna all right so no i have no idea what so the bbc has always had it um when you know it's when did uh the series started then in 63 if it was with the kennedy assassination uh 
you weren't born yet. I, w- I was not. No. <laughs> no. So when, like, what does Doctor Who mean over there and to you? Because it's still a relatively newish um, thing in America. Because I, I, they tried yeah, bringing so you guys it never during got, Matt Smith. You guys never got the, the classic Who. You never right. had the the Saturday tea time right. event of it all. You know, back back in the day when we only had three TV channels. <laughs> So it was like, it'd be that or, I don't know, Countdown and then Horse Racing on the other channel uh-huh. or whatever it was, you know. But you could ask anyone who's British and likes sci-fi TV aged between 30 and 60. And they'd all have a very similar story of watching it, being terrified, <laughs> hiding behind the sofa, uh-huh. you know, just because it, it was scary and it was intense yeah. and it, it always has been but then peter davison was my doctor so he's the fifth doctor the fifth okay cool it's a very different doctor to the ones you get now we had um he was all about playing cricket he was a proper sort of stiff upper lip gentleman <laughs> he's i was thinking about this over the last couple of days he's probably the most gentle of the doctors okay that we've had uh so he came after tom baker and tom baker had been doing the job a long time was Tom Baker the one with from... the with the scarf? Yes. Okay, yeah. Okay. So he did it for like seven, eight years or something like oh, that. Wow. He, he was Doctor Who for a long uh-huh. time. And then Peter Davison was, he must have done sort of four or five years. And then he went into Colin Baker, who wasn't great. Um, or was it Sylvester McCoy first? I'm sure it went Colin Baker, then Sylvester McCoy. And then it ended, and we have the, the wilderness years. Yeah. From, like, 89, I think it stopped. Mm-hmm. And then we had the Doctor Who TV movie. Yes. With Paul McGann and Eric Roberts as the master. It's a good movie. I haven't it seen it. It holds up. I need to get back to, to some. I've seen a handful of, uh, like, classic Who, but I haven't. And you know, but they, they are rough. Yes. They're, they're old. and. We're talking about Disney money now. Like, those guys had no money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally no money. But that's part of... I mean, the the way that I see it all, um, it's part of the charm. And I have I have seen every single uh, New Who episode. So starting with uh, The Ninth Doctor, uh, played by um, uh, Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. And moving forward. So I've seen everything from... Which was... What was... What year did that start? 2005, right? Yes. Yeah. So, and and I saw that those thirteen seasons or whatever uh, over the last year. So it's all pretty fresh in my memory. <laughs> um, but so yeah. that's going to be an interesting take then. <laughs> yeah, you see the ups and downs of the you know the the change of of showrunners and how like it's very noticeable um, over so, the, that run. So, so obviously you went in. You you can't have gone in completely blind. You must have had an idea what it was about and who the character was. Yes. The... So why did you decide, if you hadn't seen it, yeah. was it just one of those, like, you wanted to tick off your nerd box? Or was there something <laughs> that did appeal? And, like, did you get through the first couple of episodes and go, oh, I'm not sure, I'll just plow on? Um, well, that, that feeling came came by a lot later. Uh, uh, no, so it's been, it's been on my like 
bucket list or whatever of sorts uh, for a long, long time. And, you know, during the pandemic, I did, uh, I, I had a long list of things that I wanted to watch. And, and one of them was... Oh, yeah, I remember your TV right. list. Yeah, it was, a, I watched a lot of TV. Uh, <laughs> like, I watched all of, like, Star Trek The New Generation. Like, and that's a lot of Star Trek. Yeah. Um, so, and then this was there. And, like, I remember, like, I had, I, I had started to watch it. And that first, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start with New Who. Because, like, I think if I go all the way yeah. back to the first episode ever, it's it's a lot. So I just want to... You, you wouldn't have finished. Right. It's, it's it's rough. It's black and white. It's it's weird. It's slow. Right. Like, some of those early episodes, but were half hour long, but it would be like a six-part story. Yeah. I mean, Colin, one, there was one of Colin Baker's Trial of a Time Lord, like his last season. Mm-hmm. 13 episodes, one serialized story. Oh, wow. Of the Doctor on trial. Yeah. For, like, manipulating the Yeah, yeah, timeline. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it turns out he's actually on trial by a corrupt version of himself. Oh, wow. The value. See, the that Valiard. sounds fantastic. And like, <laughs> but, but I think the reason I can say that now is because I've seen, um, you know, all these other Doctors, in like, well, 13 seasons of this between, like, Eccleston, Tennant, Matt Smith. Capaldi, Jodie Whittaker. But, but as a British person, the thing about the trial of a Time Lord that sticks out to me most is that Linda Bellingham is one of the court, um, one of the judges, one of the uh-huh. Gallifreying judges, and I most remember her for being the mother of a family that used to do the OXO adverts, which is gravy granules. Mm. <laughs> so it was like a long run <laughs> series of adverts, and that's what I remember I... her most for. So well, so yeah, so so to. To answer, yeah, your question. So, you yeah, know, it's been on my list for a long time. I had started, I think, the first few Eccleston episodes um, during the pandemic. And then, like, I would just get distracted with something else. But then once there was the announcement of this uh, joint venture with uh, with Disney and the BBC and how it was coming back, then I'm like, oh, I, I, I want to catch up before the new special comes out. So, so I made, you know, I committed to it. And yeah, the, you know, once you, I think, the, you know, the, the first Eccleston episode, guys, so if you haven't watched Doctor Who, definitely go watch it uh, and just stick to it if it's a little weird at first, because you, you just need some time to kind of like sync with what okay, well, Doctor well, Who let's is. Let's do this then. So, so the reason we're talking about it is because these three, three specials have just aired and it's high on our thoughts and we have yes. been talking about it yes. offline and stuff. And now that I know that you've watched it all in what, the last month? No, um, I mean, all of Doctor Who, you mean? Yeah. No, I mean, it's been throughout the year. Oh, this year, you said. This, this year, year. Okay. this year, yeah, because that was because I was really good about watching, like, nonstop. And then I get to, like, Matt Smith, and then I get to Capaldi, and then I get to Jodie Whittaker. And my. Well, that's what I want to do. I want to <laughs> so, ta- yeah. talk through, I want to talk through Doctor by Doctor. Okay, then, okay. As someone, someone where it is fresh in your mind. Yes. So. Especially as someone who's gone in completely blind. So Christopher Eccleston, man. Yes. First impressions. How did you find the show when you first started it? What did you make of it? I thought he was fantastic. <laughs> no, he he was brilliant. I I think that uh, not having any idea of, of any previous Doctor Who, I it felt fresh. I mean, it's very early two thousands energy. Even the way yeah, that he's yeah. dressed with like the leather like jacket and everything, but. He he looked, I you know he looked cool for someone during that time. I like I wanted to hang out with him. I think that uh, you know there was just 
I don't know. The, I, I enjoyed it. And I, and I, I liked what he, the kind of energy that he was bringing and, and then Rose as sort of like the audience's avatar and like just her being kind of like so thrilled by the excitement of what else was out there. Just like... See, his... he's probably my least favorite. Really? Of the modern who's. Yeah. He's... Because he didn't feel like the Doctor to me mm. and it didn't feel alien enough and i think also he had the least memorable stories and i know they were bringing it back and i yeah. know they were writing for a more casual audience yeah but i i couldn't name you a single plot line from his season i know you know the first episode was the one with the walking mannequins that and okay yeah. um so i you know there's definitely a handful that i remember but also he only played it for one season right or yeah. one series so therefore i think that i with Especially with every other doctor, like it takes except for ten to me, um, who like right off the bat he knows his job, <laughs> so and you can get the you you understand what they're trying to do. Um, so I really do like um, I like what Eccleston did, and I also just like the kind of relationship that they were trying to establish between Rose and and uh, and Nine, because yeah, yeah, from my understanding too, like one of the things that they were trying to do with New Who is to kind of lean a little bit more into this, a little bit of a romantic kind of possibly... Yeah, the, the will, they won't, yeah. they. And it's a, it's, a, it's a very thirsty show. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, some of the things that they do in there. So, like, you know, starting with him a little bit, but then once you bring in... Oh, bring wait in, till you hit Torchwood. Just oh, yeah, no, yeah. J- Torchwood, I can't wait to start it, because I've heard that that is just, like, basically Doctor Who after dark. Uh, yeah. I mean, and with Jack Harkness, like, come on, like that dude, he just comes in and in the first minute he wants to sleep with everyone on the scene. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so he's so, yeah. But um, so anyways, uh, I did not I, I did not mind Eccleston. He was super he was fun. And, I, and to me, as an introduction to the whole universe or universe, I thought it was uh, it was hate good. It. You know, was that? Hate it. The universe, <laughs> hate it. So, you must have known what regeneration was going in then. You must have known that that was the, the method for I, recasting. I um, I had an idea of, of that, yes, just because of general nerd culture and how this is, which I think is also a genius idea to be able to keep going with the TV show for decades. But yes, yeah. I, I, I understood that the, that the Doctor changes. I didn't know how or how, you know, what had happened so what was that what was your first regeneration scene like then because i remember when 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 i started watching it as a kid yeah tom baker had already gone into peter davidson so Mm -hmm. peter davidson was my first Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. him regenerating colin baker i had no idea what was coming scared the shit out of me yeah i was distraught yeah uh my but i was like well how old were you six exactly that's what i mean i'm uh, yeah, I was 39 when I first saw them regenerating, <laughs> so probably a little different. Um, I thought it was a little cheesy to when I first saw it, because, and I don't know how... I can't even remember the circumstances for, for Nine's regeneration. Well, it took a long time. Um, well, he, especially, well, it, it took a long time for Tennant to feel ready to be able to like go back out because then they regenerate during that christmas special and he spends a lot of time on that special in bed in like at rose rose tyler's like house 
and he's just like recovering because he's still kind of like BBC budget. Yeah. But (laughs) he's just like getting, you know, slowly getting into his own body. And that was one thing that like when you compare it to, you know, I'm jumping ahead, but once it goes from Tennant to um, Matt Smith, so from 10 to 11, Matt Smith's take on the first day as a doctor was very different. That to me was really jarring. So yeah. it didn't feel at that point then the whole like light show thing of them, you know, lighting up in like fire colors <laughs> um, didn't feel that cheesy to me. But then what the, what a doctor does right after that was weird because I can understand that as you're getting used to your new body, then, you know, I, I you, maybe you're in bed. You're still kind of like regenerating all your two hearts and all that kind of stuff. But Matt Smith went into it, and then he was just being really childish and weird, and he didn't know what kind of food he liked. <laughs> Fish fingers and custard. Yes. Love it. Yes. So, But I, I remember when Tennant took over, that felt a lot more like Doctor Who to me. Yeah. You know, much more than Eccleston. You had the, the alien aspect yes. that you can't quite wrap your head around. Also, the energy. Yes. That's that to me, and so from all the Doctor Who's that I've seen, then to definitely ten is my Doctor. I would say it's he's definitely my my favorite one. And there's a, I've heard this phrase or this way to describe what the Doctor is or what the Doctor does, and I think maybe it was Russell T Davis that mentioned that, or was it Stephen Moffat? Those are two different showrunners. Um, but it was that they said that the Doctor dances. And I think that... Oh, that sounds like Russell T. Davis. Yeah. And that's something that I feel like Ten has, at least in the new Who, he's the one who has been able to dance the most with being the Doctor than any other one. Because he... I, You know, just going from, like... He's a force of nature. And there's the moments where you're... Like, you should be afraid of him and what he's capable of doing. But then there's the which moments, is, which is kind of the whole the whole yeah. point of Doctor Who, isn't it? Yeah, you know. But he's been, he knows everything exactly. And even though it is just a guy with a screwdriver, but who can talk really fast. Yes. <laughs> but he, yeah. So that's and he is able to go from that to the silly, to like the tortured, like you know, person that that he is, to you know, so like he he's able to play all those notes. I think amazingly. Whereas some of the other doctors, then moving on to Matt Smith, he's a place that a little bit more like childlike and silly. And I mean, he was also the youngest doctor that's ever played uh, a doctor, I believe, perhaps. Yeah, it, yeah, it sounds about right. Um, but I loved it when Stephen Moffat took over, like the change in tone yeah. between those two. Like, I think Matt Smith is the best modern doctor, hands oh, yeah. down. I think he's brilliant. But also, I think. The storytelling, like you, you just suddenly had these massive overarching yeah. stories that, like the whole Amy Pond saga, the whole River Song thing, um, the whole Trenzalore thing, yeah, and that build into when John Hurt came in as the War Doctor, mm-hmm. like the time of a doc- name of a Doctor, those yes. episodes, I don't think has ever got that good yeah. since I watched um, Name of a Doctor today. And it's just so damn good. Is yeah, is, isn't that a was that that was a special That's too? That's the one right? when he spends like yeah, yeah. six hundred years on the planet. Oh, that one. That old. one. Yes, yes. That's right. That's right. Um, 
yeah, that one's really interesting, and it's also very similar, I think, to one with Capaldi when he's in that prison, right? Where it just like it's just seeing yeah. them just staying, deciding to stay in one place, which is also a huge thing for a doctor because they're always on the move. Uh, well, that um, that Matt Smith finale is kind of when they we knew that everything my generation grew up with, like. I remember as a kid, we knew Doctor Who only had 13 regenerations. Yes. Like, that was set in stone from being a youngster. Yeah. So how they changed that and the whole Gallifrey thing and, you know, the war at the end of time and all of that stuff. Yeah. Just loved it. And then, so I watched that and then I watched Capaldi's first one because I was interested in what we were talking about, those post-regeneration scenes. Yeah. And Capaldi played it completely different. Like, he forgotten everything yes couldn't remember people's names couldn't remember how to fly the tardis that threw me off so like because there is that that initial thing that you're saying but then there's also throughout the entire like most of his run i think pretty much the entire run he talks about humans like he doesn't know what a human is yeah and that i'm like but you look you choose to look like a human for some reason, you keep going back to England, <laughs> like as. So the the other thing you might not know is um. So John Pertwee, the third Doctor, uh-huh. he was he was exiled to Earth for like three seasons. Okay. For BBC budget reasons. <laughs> so he had no TARDIS. Yeah. And he was on Earth, and he had little yellow little yellow car that he used to drive around in. He and drove he was a car. Earthbound. <laughs> yeah. And he'd work with unit all the time uh-huh. and stuff like that. So yeah, he, he knows humans pretty well. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. He he knows what a human is. He would know what a a, a man like a female and a male humans yes. are. And Capaldi was like, "Oh, I don't know. You all look the same to me." And I'm like, "But they don't." <laughs> like, yeah. So that. But then you have yeah. that you have that one scene where Matt Smith phones Clara. Yeah. Before his regeneration. Yes. And then Capaldi's like, imagine how that feels to be me when you're looking at me, but you don't see me, even though I'm the same person yes. I was. Yes. I was like, that's clever. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, for sure. There's there's some moments I feel like Stephen Moffat as a showrunner was... I didn't. I don't. I don't think he. I still. Pre- I prefer Russell T. Davies as a showrunner. But some of the best episodes that I've seen are the Stephen Moffat like episodes within Russell T Davis's show running. So I feel like that combination is yeah. able it's it's the best because you kind of like to be Midnight is one of the best episodes I've seen in television. Which which one's that? That's the Remind one me? when um when Donna Noble goes off to a spa and the whole episode is basically 10 in this planet and then they're trapped in this one ship where there's some sort of creature that's taking over their bodies or something. So a very low-budget thing, because they're all just stuck in a room trying to figure out what's going on. And But I just think, like, the sort of the the tension and the build-up and the drama of that episode is just amazing. And which is very similar to me to the second special that just came out, where it's, again, just a very contained story. It feels very, like, you know... um, you know, very much like a bottle episode, but I just think that that's when when you strip the doctor down. You know, from he he doesn't have the TARDIS. Maybe he doesn't have his like sonic screwdriver anymore. 
being able to only have his own wits to figure out and his brain. What's, exactly. Yeah. So when he's when that's the only thing that he's left with, that's to me like it's it's a, it's the most interesting thing to watch. Love the the running joke is that Russell T Davis can write really good ideas but not necessarily a great story to put them in. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Moffat can write a great story, yeah. but doesn't know how to end it. Right, right. Because that's like, yeah. The, <laughs> doesn't know how to actually tie it the, up. Well, yeah, the, the River Song saga, I think the concept is so good. And when, he's, when, when she's first introduced, I'm like, this is so, so good. But then what happens with River Song throughout, to me, throughout the like 11th run is a little weird. And sometimes it doesn't really quite add up. <laughs> To me, like it's and, just, and then when you factor in Amy Pond into it, yeah, and the astronaut and yeah. all of that stuff, that's when it gets it, really yeah, weird. It falls apart, and it doesn't a little quite bit. wrap up yeah. at the end. Right, so that's what I'm like. It's like there's just like really great concepts, but but then also he came up with the Weeping Angels, and that what are yeah, blink like that's an amazing episode as well. So. That's like I think his monsters are and his like you know single episode concepts are amazing, but then when he tries to like stretch them out for, into more things, that's when I'm like I don't I don't know if that works quite well. So, but, um, so I I really like Capaldi, but it was hard for me to take uh, Malcolm Tucker from the thick of it out of it. Got it. What do you think of um, Jodie Whittaker? I think that... I think she did... She worked her butt off. I think she... Yeah. She was... I thought she was great she, in the role. She was amazing. I think she she did everything she could have. I think that just the writing wasn't as strong. And I think the yeah. storylines weren't as strong. But I... And I and apparently I, I heard that the... I forget the showrunner's name for her. Uh, Chris Chibnall. Yeah. Uh, Chibnall is like I think he told her not to watch any Doctor Who. Um, for oh really? Her. Right. So she never saw anything. She, she can't have. It's impossible that she'd never watch Doctor Who. So it's something along those lines where like and and you know you, sometimes you have those kinds of directors that just say don't watch anything. Like I just want your like take to be fresh and whatnot. And I just don't like this is such this has been going on for decades. And if you're not aware of it, like you're. I think you're missing out on a lot of nuances. And I think she, she still captured like the right energy of a doctor, but I just feel like the scripts themselves and, you know, even just like the companions weren't as interesting. They were very shallow. Like even her relationship with Yaz, like she, I, she was interesting, but also like, I feel like I know nothing of her. Uh, like, yeah, they're all a bit paper thin. Right. Whereas, like, you know, you, you watch, like, Donna Noble. You, I mean, even, like, her granda, Wilf. Like, you know, like, in one episode, I think you can understand people's past and relationships and whatnot when you watch, like, Ten's run. But then with the, like, with Jodie Whittaker 13, like, it's just not, it's, it just wasn't, like, the, the companions to me were definitely a lot more shallow. So. I, I, I did enjoy the. The flux season, which I know a lot of people didn't, <laughs> and it it's batshit. It doesn't make much sense. I yeah. have no idea what was going right. on, like episode three. Yeah, but it was enjoyable to watch. That's, I mean, based on what you were saying about the older who, I could one hundred percent see what you would enjoy the flux season. <laughs> um, 
it's it was a weird season to me the fact that it was just all one basically long episode uh and the ravagers were they just look like geodes so that was also weird with, <laughs> with glitter so i thought that also kind of threw me off um so there were some things that i was like okay i i like the idea of her turning into whipping angel for a minute like that was super interesting yeah um but yeah the flux the concept of the flux was great um the timeless child thing i'm like whoa whoa that's you're changing everything if you're saying and i i i love that i i enjoyed that more than Clara being involved with the first Doctor mm. choosing which TARDIS to use. Yes. I thought that was unnecessary. Y- yeah. the Cl- Clara helping with that out was weird. This was weirder, but this kind of also helped fix the fact that, hey, we're going to go pat- beyond 13 regenerations. <laughs> so Well, no, because Matt Smith had done that by Clara asking the Time Lords to help on Trenzalore. Because he was supposed to die. That was his last one. Oh, so they'd already got past that. True, but yeah, but, but it, it. But what the timeless child suggested was that the first Doctor wasn't the first right, Doctor. Right. Right. So that's what that way. It's just, but yeah, it just sort of allows for any sort of number of anything after because mm. he's just he's not really Gallifreyan. So and I and I think that I was a little afraid of the now now coming back into what we were getting now. That to me the the running thing in New Who, at least, right, is that he's carrying this weight of having been the one to destroy his whole, like, his home planet. Like, that was, like, yes. tense thing. And I'm like, how, like, that that weight, I think, was always present in some sort of way or fashion. But now that he's not Gallifreyan, then how do, how do you keep that? And I think but now... But that story also got resolved, because him... So ten, eleven, and the War Doctor, yeah, went back to save Gallifrey, right. So he didn't kill everyone, right. Which is why I think Jodie got to be a bit more loose and yes. upbeat, yes. Although Capaldi was still miserable the whole time. Capaldi was miserable, yeah. But and I, but I think that's why, like now introducing the what the Flux does and him now being responsible of ending like the life of half of the universe, yeah then that brings well, that same kind of weight. He he saved half the universe, really. Yeah, but the other half that died would happen because of him or because of Division wanting to not have, like, get rid of the Doctor. So if the Doctor wasn't around, they wouldn't have done that. Like, there would be no flux without a Doctor. Yeah. Which is a little bit like the Joker saying that like Gotham wouldn't be this horrible without you, Batman. Like I, yeah. I wouldn't exist. Like the reason I exist is because of you. So you're responsible for all the stuff that happens in Gotham. So it's a little like yeah, but they're there to save things. So, <laughs> um, so let's talk about uh, these three then, since that's right. the whole point. Yes. So um, yeah. What what are your thoughts on these three episodes? I love them. They were, you know. Okay. I. <laughs> There's a few things here and there that were like, oh, okay, not my favorite ways to resolve some things, but I think, you know, Donna Noble is one of my favorite companions from the ones that I've seen. Uh, she's like, Catherine Tate is just such a delight, and her chemistry with David Tennant is just like, is undeniable. I mean, I know that they've worked together. They're like best friends in real life or something, right? They're like, yeah. they've, they've worked together in a lot of other things outside of Doctor Who. 
and you can tell that they know each other and they're just able to riff on each other's like um actions really well and i think that they i i thought they were really fun these episodes that um there's that one scene in the giggle where they're in front of like the uh, the punch and beauty thing and it starts collapsing and he's like donut and she's like i'm already running <laughs> I was like, That's brilliant. yes so oh my god the giggle like to the, the second one um what was the second one called the giggle was the third one was the second episode. uh deep blue yonder yeah deep... wild blue yonder well, yeah that one is very similar to midnight and i i thought that was great because it just brings that kind of that menacing sort of like horror aspect of doctor who that i think they can do really well um and the giggle too like when the in the giggle being the third uh episode or third special the tv thing and the puppet there like the way that was filmed and shown like that was scary <laughs> so but that's prime russell t davis yeah i've got an idea we're not really going to talk about it or how right. it makes sense, but I've got this idea. I, I, I thought, I mean, it was very, it was similar to how the Weeping Angels as an image, like how they can also like take you through like a TV or a camera, you know, or a video game. So yeah, yeah. it kind of reminded me of that too, which that would, that would have been then a Muffet concept, right? And Neil Patrick Harris was phenomenal. He was, fan- he was he perfectly cast. I want, I want him to be the next Doctor. I Well, when I first saw him um, in you know, that first shot of him, I'm like, wait, is he the new Master? Because <laughs> he would be a fantastic Master. So um, Russell T. Davis has said, so he worked with Neil Patrick Harris on a British drama called It's a Sin, which is all about the AIDS crisis mm-hmm. in the 80s and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he basically got to just text Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. He's like, I can't pitch this to his agent because they're going to be like, piss off yeah so he's like, i just got te- to text him and say have a read of this and he'd never heard of doctor oh. and he read it and he was like what the hell is this i'm in it's he played it he i mean he was perfect i think it was uh the way he did it i mean and i think he, he was even able to use some of it because he's a real life magician too right yeah and i think yeah. the way that when he had the deck of cards and how he was like shuffling them and stuff i'm like yeah that's him like he the- he was saying on like the behind the scenes thing but when he was putting on my German accent, like the script was written in the accent, so really? where to em- 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 where to emphasize like the wrong bits of language and mm. intonation. So he's like, I had to learn all this and monologue, and then throw throw balls at David Tennant while juggling. Sometimes real balls, sometimes CGI balls. Yeah, all while doing doing this weird accent. Oh my god! He was like, it was tough. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. But I yeah, I think he was great. the The whole episode I thought was fantastic, and then. Obviously, did not see that regeneration by generation. <laughs> I'm spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, full spoiler. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I did not see that I'm, coming. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Uh huh. Um, and I was spoiled on it in advance about how it was going to happen because I can't help myself. Yes. I read spoilers all the time for everything, so I knew that there was going to be some sort of by generation. Yeah. But the reasonings behind it, which still kind of hold up based on like some of the behind the scenes comments, mm-hmm. weren't elaborated enough in the show. What were the so, reasons? Like, you can't just pull Doctor into two people, regeneration power or not. That just doesn't work yeah. for me. But what it sounds like they're going to come back to is that David Tennant, who's off on his own now, living his own life, yeah. 
when he does die, he will then regenerate into Cutie, into 15, mm. who will then have to jump back in time to save himself. So um. they're not two separate people. They're just the same person at the same time. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which makes much that that makes much more sense yeah. to me than splitting into two people and having two docs and two Tardises running around. I see. Interesting. Because you know you can have two docs exist at the same time right, from different we've, timelines. We've seen that before, um, and that's basically what it is. Yeah. God. But he's dived into himself. Weird. Okay. Which I think is better than oh look you can just become two people. Right. Yeah. I mean the the two people thing is interest. I thought was interesting. I, I like how they uh, when they split the clothing went half and half. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but I don't even just like as a way to because I I've heard that the new season is not gonna be season fifteen or whatever that they also starting to call it season like season one. So, yeah, which does again it does worry me a bit because I know what Russell T Davis can be like yes um and especially with some money behind him yes and then like the trailer for the first one the first shot is duty in a nightclub in like a tutu or a kilt and a vest dancing on the dance floor and it's like would the doctor do that yes and fit in he'd do it but he'd be awkward he'd be awkward he wouldn't fit but in. but this is just him having the time of his life mm. but also that's the whole thing with a body regeneration. When he says we're doing rehab out of order, mm-hmm. is that, like we were saying, he's carrying a lot of trauma, the Doctor. Yeah. So now David Tennant gets to go and relax and deal with that trauma. Yeah. So when he does become 15, yeah. he's all happy-go-lucky. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, because I, I also feel like Tennant... We know Tennant loves playing the Doctor, and you could see that he was having a blast being able to play him again, because once you're done playing the Doctor, you're done. So, he... so, what, so the other thing that really jumped out at me in that last episode mm-hmm. was when they're in unit he just seemed unreasonably angry for a few scenes yeah like he, he got really sort of shouty and i was like it it really jarred me i'm like what but he was why is he angry he was angry like that in some of his previous seasons and that was that was what i was talking about he he's able to like sometimes he's a real menace and i and it's not that was um Dunner noble's whole thing was because when they meet, and he's like, no, I, I can't travel with anyone because he was all, you know, sad about Rose. And yeah. And he, so he wanted to travel the universe on his own. And then Donna is like, no, you need someone because you, you need a companion. Because without a companion, like, don't, there's no one there to keep you in check. And I think yeah. that's like, so there were moments where he is really angry. There's moments where he's just like, he's, you know, he is carrying all this wait as that was we keep saying but and and he's just you know tired of it and whatnot and i think that that's why he needs a human to help him just sort of like be like all right like just orient himself and, and have some perspective and so yeah so I, otherwise I, he can become dangerous yeah and he will become like the master you know possibly he has the same powers as the master so he can be which, as which evil is none as, well, <laughs> <laughs> right um but you know he can do he can do everything, and I think that uh, that's why... I don't know. It I, it didn't jar me as much as he angry. I thought that was like, yeah, that's that's he can be that pissed off, but also I don't have as much context with all the other Doctors as you do. So maybe for you... And that's the other thing about Russell T. Davis is that he does pluck 
loads of ideas from Classic Who. Yeah. Like, you know, like the Meep. Like the Meep, yeah. <laughs> so, which came from a 1980 cart, uh, comic book. You know, speaking so, of, like, old comic books from the, like Marvel, right? <laughs> so we're going to... I'll quickly talk about uh, Doctor Who EU. Yes. Uh, which is probably what we'd call Legends, and how we'd call Who Universe. <laughs> anyway, the Doc- Doctor Who books have been around for decades, but not like big hardback releases followed by paperbacks followed by series uh-huh. more like the chapter f- throwaway paperback books used pulpy kind of yeah sci-fi books and there was comics as well and then it was quite well publicized that the meat came from a comic and then you text me with like a comic cover and yeah. it was marvel i was assuming it was from like one of the christmas annuals used to get with comic strips because uh-huh. i remember having a couple of doctor who annuals when i was a kid i never realized that there was an actual marvel yes. series and it that completely jarred me, just like seeing the Marvel logo in the corner <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, you, you asked me. It's like, wait, is this real? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. from 1980. <laughs> but it's just like, it's so, you know, and this is how, this I think this is the beginning of us transitioning back into what our show is about, right? But yeah, we're, ta- we're talking about, you know, so we're back in 1980. We're talking about Marvel getting into this IPs that are, that right now are crazy established i guess doctor who was very established by the, like back then but well, yeah they're releasing all this random media like i mean 80 was probably like the height of the popularity for classic who as well okay like 75 to 80 and w- tom baker era so we have that and we have then star wars comic books coming out at that time with crazy things happening like Jackson, like the, Jackson. the rabbit. <laughs> so uh, so we got Jackson on one hand and we have the meep on the other and it's just like this is this is this was the media that was coming out on this t- in what is today 2023 some of the biggest IPs in the planet. Still still plunging old ideas. Right. Nothing's new anymore. No. Um but no, I mean the the cover's really cool. I, I yeah, and I and I appreciate that then Russell T. Davis, like you're saying, and you know, is doing something similar to like what Star Wars is seems to be doing nowadays and what you see like where you know, you go back to the classics, you go back to these things that maybe were shunned for a long time and for some reason, you know, when you're a kid and you see that for, when you're little it's not as jarring and as bad. Therefore, you when you get a, your chance to play in the sandbox, you bring him back in. Just like he is, he's like the British uh, John Favreau. Exactly, because John Favreau <laughs> saw the holiday special when he was a kid, and he saw Boba Fett's gun, and he's like, "Yeah, I want to bring that into the Mandalorian." And so the, the other thing, really quickly, is that now that they've got this Disney money, like Russell T. Davis has said, he wants to franchise it and spin-offs and all of that so right. there are rumors of a unit spin-off yes which is why you had the little wheelchair yeah thing on the tardis there's rumors that will carry on with david Tennant in a spin-off yes that would be great there's also rumors that paul mcgann will get his own spin-off oh as the eighth doctor yeah which i think would be incredible that's interesting um well i mean and it's not the first time first time that he's tried to do a whole extended universe because we like um when russell t davis was running it before then that's when we also had torchwood and we had the the adventures of sarah jane Jane. adventures so um, class which i've never watched Mm. 
So we know that there's already been a template for Doctor Who having an expanded universe, not only in, diff, you know, in books or comic bo comic books and such, but also in live action like TV series. So and quick quick fact that you may not know, just to go back to Star Wars. Sorry, listeners, I'm going to talk Star Wars for a second. <laughs> so you know Bosk, the bank yes. hunter. Yeah, his spacesuit. His yellow spacesuit is a Doctor Who costume that they reused because they couldn't find anything and literally dug it out of the archives. Really? Yeah, it's lit exactly the same thing. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah, same prop, everything. That's Which is also why it's too short for him. Because it's, you know, a normal person's that's yellow spacesuit. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's actually, yeah, there's a, a number of connections between... Um, Doctor Who and Star Wars, and even just the way that the, everything is being expanded, I think is being is very similar right now. And obviously, now that Disney kind of like owns both in a way, or they're, yeah. or they're putting money into both, it's like an, either, an even yet another connection. But obviously, you know, hey, David Tennant, like he exists, on, he's on both franchises now too. Yep. So, or not now, he's been in both franchises for a little bit because he. Like yeah, when he voice was of a Huyang. Huyang, um, since the Clone Wars. Yes. So it's been, what, more than a decade? Like 15? Yeah. Yeah. Did he play Huyang before playing 10? No. Uh, what I mean, 2006, I mean, when he played, when he became 10, right? Yeah, so Clone Wars started in 2008. Okay. So they were kind of like concurrent. So I, I don't know the details. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, there's definitely a handful of uh, of connections or, or parallels between these two. And IPs. also, Peter Cushing played Doctor Who. Did he? So there was a couple of movies in the '60s that were separate from a show, where they took a couple of storylines and condensed them for a larger audience. So they're not uh -huh. part of the main. They're completely standalone. They don't oh. fit. So Peter Cushing Peter... played Doctor Who. That's and amazing. And I bet I'd put money on any Imperial that starred oh. in the original trilogy for... was probably in Doctor oh, Who. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That, that would not be surprised by any of that. <laughs> so, uh, and then, yeah. So, it's, and obviously, so our next episode in, uh, in these specials, now that we've had the by generation, is the Christmas special or holiday special yes. in doctor who speaking of speaking of speaking of holiday specials my friend i was able to make convince you to still talk about a holiday special versus the star as, wars holiday special as is now as tradition. Is apparently tradition <laughs> yes and if you thought we'd run out of things to say about the holiday special well we've got you covered yes so uh so yeah for, so the next 20 or so minutes, I don't know. We'll, we, will, we will be talking about the Star Wars holiday special because, yes, we have to. Um, and um, So why are we talking about it, Jose? Because I wanted to. But also, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was, yeah, so we were trying to come up with an idea of how, you know, or you I, I was trying to come up a, with a way to be able to, to do something new with the holiday special that we hadn't done before. And luckily enough, there is that fantastic documentary that is now available on, I believe, on Apple TV Plus, or you can rent it or buy it through there, or also Amazon Prime. 
you can buy the documentary A Disturbance in the Force, which we both have watched. Um, I, yep, I watched it yesterday. Same here. I watched it. I watched it yesterday, and I and yeah, and so we thought, or I thought, here's a way that we get to talk about it and still bring something new to the table. Uh, so, and for any new listeners out there, yeah, we have covered the holiday special um, every year since we started doing this. <laughs> uh, so we have we watched it live once. That was, I think, last year. We did my first impressions the year before or something. Um, yeah, we've done Easter eggs galore. Yeah, so so yeah, so we've we've covered it a couple times. So you should go back and oh, and in one of those episodes, I also sang um, a song. <laughs> so, so so there you know, there's quality content out there about the special. So today we're gonna but tell us tell us about the documentary, man. Yes. On. So documentary uh, right now, so um, it's rated 100% fresh and Rotten Tomatoes, which you know it's kind of like doesn't happen that often. It still also has a really high score on the audience uh, score on on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's like 86, 87 percent. I don't know. So we're not only we're not saying that it's great because we like Star Wars or we're biased or anything like that. Or it's it's like but it is genuinely great. It's really well done. It's 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 only an an hour and a half long or so. And it's actually full of, <coughs> even though we've discussed this special, we spent hours talking about this special, mm-hmm. they still have content in there that I had no idea about. And uh, so we both learned new things about it. So, so it's a real sort of, it's, it's a making of, but also one of these, you know, where you've got commentators who just happen to have lived through that mm-hmm. era. But you've also got like really old audio clips of, people who were involved in it and um it gives you a real sense of the landscape at the time so one thing that was weird so we did our c-3po episode last week yes and we talked about the donnie marie osmond show yes and there was a you know there was a big chunk of time showing the sort of programs that were on at that time which was donnie donnie marie and how they didn't know what to do with a Star Wars brand, so they just chucked it into everything right. to keep it relevant and keep it in people's right. minds and keep them going back to the theaters. Right. Well, because that was a whole, you know, one of the big things that. Um... So, Trev, I don't know if you did this or not, but I said, you know, maybe we can, in order to sort of briefly talk about this, we can choose like our top three things that sort of jumped out at, at us while watching it. So I don't know. Do you have a? Do you have anything in your or? For for me, it was definitely that audio clip with Charles Lippincott. So okay. for people who don't know, Charles Lippincott was the, the marketing yeah. guy for 20th Century Fox. He was the one who secured the deal with Marvel. He was the one right. who um, was responsible for the early bird send out for the figures. He's he's unspoken of, and George Lucas did kind of stitch him up a bit in later years. But he's literally one of the three most important people when it comes to the success of Star Wars. Yeah. And so hearing some of his audio was incredible. Yeah. Um, obviously, none of the stars are in it, you know, but there is, they're in it, but they're not recorded bits, especially for this documentary. No. So there's all old talk shows and stuff. Yeah. There's one of Carrie Fisher singing the song at a convention. Yes. Which was, that was class. Yeah. And then just seeing people like Seth Green and stuff show up talking about it. Talk- Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. You know, really good documentary yeah talking about and you know there's uh, they mentioned detours a couple times uh mm-hmm. yeah you know at the the that whole thing about the marketing or, or 
that that guy and how he was involved in or so heavily involved in in what we now know as you know with the toy lines and all that kind of stuff um i didn't know about a lot of that so that was completely new to me and and there's like a, there's in the documentary to talk about how the studios had told so george lucas after the success of star wars he's like oh i want to re-release or release properly thx 1138 and then the studios were like no um that's yeah. kind of, they kind of said like no we're not doing that and you're not gonna like this fad that everyone's obsessed now with this movie like that's not gonna last like so they were all basically just betting against him and about you know and, and his sequel to star wars so that's what supposedly he was like all right then we're just gonna put it in everything so that it it remains relevant and so apparently that was like the little bit of that 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 push that they needed and that's why it wasn't on every single tv show every single variety show every single like commercial that they could and there were no real guidelines on how to use any of these characters so like at the end of the donnie and marie uh uh special that with you know that they're dressed up as luke and leia and all they which is funny because back then they weren't luke and leia weren't brother and sister yet right yeah. <laughs> so i guess maybe they knew more than um but at the end of that special they have uh, chewbacca putting his arm around darth vader right and that was like you have the villains and the and the good guys just like hanging out and apparently that was okay but so yeah. for, for one thing that really really struck me was and they mentioned it a couple of times how like the biggest movie of all time at that point was jaws yes like what a what a landscape all right you know but that's your competition you could literally you could measure pop culture by yeah the date that Star Wars got released. Yes. Yeah. You know, because everything changed. Yeah. After that. Yeah. And, and it's because of conversations like when you were just talking about where George Lucas wasn't taken seriously and he basically went, fuck you, Steve. <laughs> yeah, essentially, he's like, okay, then I'm going to do, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then he he just decided to to go with it. But and the other thing too, though, right, is that, um, and they, they they talk about this, so this is one of my, my three things, but is um, without the special, we really wouldn't have Star Wars as we know it today. Because what we learn from this, right? And I think we... I'm probably, excited to see where you go with this. Well, no. Because... The, well, well, <laughs> in the fact that, like... Yeah, it's nothing bad, I'm about to say. No, so uh, it's just that we we all know that... that um, George Lucas got distracted after you know while this was being produced, right? So they they in the in the in the documentary they go through like all the different people in charge and then how they bring in all these people that are you know they were like the best of the best at creating like variety shows and all that. So it's really you know all that stuff is really interesting. But George Lucas did pen like he did write a treatment for this holiday special. Yeah. It was not going to be as long as it ended up being. But he wrote, there was a story and Ralph McQuarrie was like involved in creating like, you know, concept art. So this was going to be very much legitimate. Um, and I mean, kind of, I guess it is. But uh, he then gets busy, George Lucas does. And he says, all right, you guys do whatever you, you need to do. And he walks yeah, away just, from the just project. Just get it on telly. <laughs> right. Then it airs. And I guess he sees it. <laughs> and he's like... 
Oh no. Um, moving forward, I need to establish some rules about <laughs> yeah. how my characters can be used and how they can work. And that's what I'm saying. Like that, if anything, like it just prompted him to be like, you know what? Like, yeah, no one else can ever touch Yoda and try to come up with an idea of like, you know, of, of his backstory. Uh, on, on, like I can only, I can be the only one. So <laughs> there's all these rules that get established on, on how to like how certain characters behave and how and where they come from and, and whatnot. Even though they, we all know that things go batshit crazy at a, at one point <laughs> or another with how they can use the characters. And that's, within parameters that were actually set without the there special a, imagine the kind of stuff that we would be getting now <laughs> they mentioned one thing in my documentary that i need to go back and look apparently there's a youtube video of those first nine minutes you know when it's all just wookie dialogue yes where someone subtitled it yes so i need to i need to check this yeah out. they showed a little clip of, of a moment of that and i'm like i mean it kind of the subtitles kind of work um <laughs> but yeah, so so that that's what I was saying. So I'm like, you know, it's nothing super surprising, perhaps, but it's just that this kind of made Lucas just go, hold up, guys! Like, I need to try to steer the ship in some freaking direction because if not, this is the result. And just so you guys know as well, if you're on the fence, like this documentary is produced by Adam Goldberg. You know, yes. it's it's a legitimate documentary. This isn't just some no crap you're gonna find on YouTube. It's proper. No, it's yeah, it's really again, it's 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 really reproduced, really well done. They do have, um, I yeah, I, I, and I like that it's not, it does, it's not boring. It it, it goes by really quickly too. Like Steve's Steve Sandsweet's in it, uh, from Ranko Obi One. Yes, showing off prototypes of the Wookiee family action figures, yeah. which I'd never seen before. Yeah, those were cool. The those were, I mean, or they they bring in a lot of the people actually involved in the special and the and they bring in the the costume designer for that whole like the the hologram on the with the air you know mayor what what do you call the like gymnastic dance group yeah like the Cirque du Soleil bit yes so they bring in the costume designer for it and like one of and his daughter was one of the dancers in it so there's just a lot of really interesting stuff and the sketch I mean the sketches of those costumes too and the reasoning was like well you know everything in Star Wars are like this sort of like topes and blacks and grays. So I, because it was going to be done this way, I wanted to bring in some really bright colors. So there's a whole, there's a lot of thinking and effort that went into putting this thing that a lot of people kind of hate. But like when you think about all the little people, like all the people involved, right? It's just kind of impressive. And, and I don't know. The one thing I also came away from it is, it's, you know, it's renowned to be bad. It's got this reputation. But they do show a lot of clips from other shows, not just the Don yes. and Marie show, other variety shows of right. its ilk that were out at the same time. Right. And they're just as bad. Right. So, <laughs> yes, know, it wasn't obnoxiously no. bad, really, no. at the time. Exactly. It's like within the context of the late 70s, this was just, this is TV. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and it wasn't, horrible it just it was what it was and also there were no vcr so no one could record it yeah. so it was just one event and that's how they all thought about it like back then tv you air it once and you're done like so it there was not this pressure that i think we have today where whatever you do like will live on forever 
So I thought, you know, so for what it was, I, I don't know. I, I kind of have a, you know, I don't, ha- I don't hate the special. <laughs> That's yeah. why I try to talk about it every year now. Um, I don't think we can do it this year unless uh, they make a sequel. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll find out a way. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the documentary is out there. Uh, go yep, watch a it. Disturbance in the Force. Yes, Apple TV, it's, Amazon Prime. Yes, <clears throat> so go go watch it. Uh, it's a, you know if you're listening to this on you know whenever this goes out, is it like Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve. Yeah, there you go. Then go give yourself a little a little <clears throat> gift. Buy the special the documentary <laughs> and watch it on December 25th if you are uh, a Patreon member or you know whoever's listening to this. Just go watch it now. Um, Trev, speaking of other things about the special, I yes. think this, I will classify this as the batshit <laughs> story of the week, because we haven't done a batshit thing in a long time, and I think what we're about to get to does classify as batshit, so you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, when we were recording another episode, that you had some thoughts about when life day is. Yes, I and do. And so why don't you tell us about this batshit concept of when Life Day is supposed to be? So we are 81 episodes in. If there has ever been a segment that I really want Star Wars creators to listen to, it's this next one. <laughs> <laughs> so we get this thing now, don't we, on social media where everyone celebrates the holiday special yeah. on the anniversary of the day it went out. November 17th. Which was... November 17th, 1978. Mm -hmm. And then, like, Americans in particular kind of then adopt it as a Thanksgiving special, almost. More or less, But then you also have it being called a Christmas special. Yes. And I don't think any of that is accurate. (laughs) So, we we need to talk about timeline datings very quickly just to give it some context and just because it's you and you have to talk about timelines so the timeline that we use the before the battle of yavin after the battle of yavin is all based on clearly the battle of yavin so every year before or after starts and finishes on the anniversary of that day yes so everything's measured by that the holiday special story which celebrates life day has long been kind of assumed to take place half a year after the original movie, which kind of fits with when it was broadcast versus when the film was released, etc, etc. But then you have to start looking at other other portrayals of Life Day and when they happen on the timeline. Okay. So in Legends, originally Life Day was every three years. So you can backtrack from the holiday special to its appearance in the Han Solo trilogy by AC Crispin, Mm -hmm. and it still kind of works. And then when Life Day Treasury came out, there's an introduction that basically says the galaxy has adopted it, and now it's every year, etc., etc., etc. And then there's also some confusion about the Coruscant Solstice story in that was in Life Day Tre- Treasury, wasn't it? Which is very clearly a Christmas story, but it was in a Life Day book. Now that story is not actually about Life Day, but I think people are con- then confusing Christmas with Life Day. Mm-hmm. Now, in my Legends timeline, I've basically got that entire year between, well, from Battle of Yavin up to 1 ABY. That's mapped out pretty well in Legends. I've got it mapped down to the month, sometimes the weeks. And by my workings out, the holiday special takes place four and a half months after the Battle of Yavin. 18 weeks to be precise. <laughs> so let's just say it's in 
the fourth or fifth month of the year. So then I start looking at other portrayals oh, okay. of Life Day. Ho- hold on, because you're saying so. Because you're saying that the year starts with at the Battle of Yavin. Therefore, since this is a few months after, then got it. Okay. Now, just making sure that I'm following gets, this. Okay, keep going. It gets a bit more confusing if you're going to use the GRS uh, Galactic Resynchronization dates, in mm-hmm. which case the Battle of Yavin took place in the third month of the year. Okay. Um, but that's not really relevant until you start working out things like when Empire Day happens within that month, etc., etc. Um, but for intents and purposes, say that Battle of Yavin happened on the 1st of January. Okay. Then we So every other year, back and forth, is based on that. Yes. So then other instances of Life Day... So there's one with um, Rey, where Chewie takes Rey back to Kashyyyk for Life Day, which is set between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. But yeah. there's not enough either way to place it. It's a very isolated story. You can't... It takes place at some point in that year. Mm-hmm. But we also don't have enough information about Rise of Skywalker to say when that takes place. So that could easily take place after the fourth or fifth month. Yes. So that works fine. But the, the kicker for me is there was a Life Day one-shot that came out with three separate stories in it. Um, so two Han and Chewie ones. Again, they're on Life Day, but there's nothing to contradict them. They can easily go at any point in certain adventures. You know, one's after they've lost a Falcon, one's when they're younger. They could go anywhere. Yeah. But there's one set in the High Republic with uh, Nib-Asek. Nib-Asek? It's that thing where you try and pronounce a name, but you've never <laughs> said before. Anyway. Nib-Asek and Buryaga. So... This story is clearly after the events of Rising Storm, Rising Storm, because they mention the defeat mm-hmm. of the Great Progenitor, okay. which happens in the High Republic comics, yes. which happened concurrent to Rising Storm. Now, Chapter sixty-one of the Rising Storm specifically dates itself as three months after the Monster of Temple Peak frame story with okay. Tyoric. Okay. Okay. Now, if we we're going to place that story at the very beginning of that year because Timelines places it in 231 BBY, but it actually places it after High Republic Adventures number six and High Re- the High Republic six and seven. But if you place it after those stories, there's not really enough time for three months to have elapsed before the events of A Rising Storm. So I've moved it right to the beginning on my timeline. It's the very first event of 231 BBY. Mm-hmm. If you then take three months to The Rising Storm, and then allow for a bit of decompression time after the events of that uh-huh. for Nibasek and Buryaga to be off to Kashyyyk. That could easily take us into the fourth month of the year, which tallies up with the Legends timeline <laughs> of it being four months of the ABY-BBY calendar based on my workings out. So what I'm saying <laughs> is we should not be celebrating... We could celebrate the holiday special yes. in November. We should not be celebrating Life Day in November. That should be in April. Well, I I hear you, and here's my counterpoint <laughs> to this. I think you're. You don't mad. get one. You haven't put the work in. You don't get a no, counterpoint. Every everything that you're saying and all the math is solid, and it works out. My I have only one question, and I'm hope. I mean, I hope it's it's smarter than I think. 
<laughs> and, I, and also, I hope that it doesn't mess up everything, all the work that you've done, because you've clearly done your homework, and I have not. But the so, if Life Day is three months after the four months four, mo- four months after the Battle of Yavin. Yes. What do you have to say that the Battle of Yavin is January first, and not four months? Oh, I, I don't. The... So but, I don't. So because one, but one could say that yeah, I'm, the I'm fir- trying to I'm trying to put it into layman's terms. Yes. If you're going to imagine your but, galactic calendar. So what if you if you were to parallel their calendar with ours? Could one say that at the, a new year in Star Wars? It's just four months before November. No, because if you... Okay, you, you've you got two choices. You can either use the Galactic Resynchronization Calendar, which is the in-universe calendar that existed mm-hmm. before the Battle of Yavin, yeah. which places the Battle of Yavin on 3538, which yes. is the eighth day of the third month. So you can either place it in March, in which case Life Day would be in April, May, June, July, or you can take the release date of Star Wars, which is May, and go four months from there, which would be June, July, August, September. So there's nothing equals November. So not so you can so you're saying that the like based on what we have, there's no way that you can say that on Earth on Earth, on our planet Earth, July first is the new year in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. Nothing to make that work. But also, there's nothing to stop anybody then releasing a Life Day story that contradicts everything I've just said. (laughs) Okay. All right. I mean, I I think you have a really strong argument there. I'm I'm just uh, curious about, you know, obviously it's another galaxy, so just their winter time is different than ours and and whatever. The, The only canon one that I could properly pin down was the Buryaga one, because there's so many stories. That yeah. year is pretty well mapped. So when I realized that that one could actually tally up to my theory, I was, uh-huh. I was quite excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... But also, sorry, uh-huh. so, so let's backtrack quickly. Yes. So then one of the other recent instances of Life Day was in the Young Jedi Adventures. Okay. Now, have you watched any of these yet? No. They're, they're fun. Um but they've also had episodes where they've got a Starlight Beacon and Bell and Ember the Char Hound have turned up in one episode as well as Lodum. And if you go on Wikipedia, it's kind of assumed that these happen in 232 BBY. Mm-hmm. But if that life day is a year before the Buryaga one, we're kind of slap bang in the middle of the Nihil and the Great Disaster when clearly it isn't, because no one's talking about the Nihil Hill when we went to Starlight Beacon. Yeah. So therefore, I'm putting my flag on the fact that the Young Jedi Adventures actually takes place in 233 BBY, not 232 <laughs> oh BBY. And Again, Star Wars creators, please listen. Yes, and this is why this is a batch of crazy <clears throat> moment of the episode, because it's Trev going down his... Yeah, it, <laughs> this is, I mean, this is Trev's soapbox, basically. So. Yes. <laughs> Which, that can probably also happen in every single episode that we record. We just allow for Trev to talk for five minutes about why his math is correct and nothing else is. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, 
I'm not taking questions. No. <laughs> I'm sure you people out there on Discord can uh, can comment and discuss this more intelligently than I can with whatever. Because I there was a conversation a couple weeks ago there about why you were placing something at some point. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, you guys take it from there. Anything else you need to add to that or to the holiday special or to Doctor Who, Trev? No, I th- we've we've run run long. We have run a little long, so because this is our holiday special, it is, and it's our Christmas special, whatever you want to call it, depending on where you're at. But because I think, I mean, the Doctor Who stuff is still called Christmas special, or or have they also switched over to holiday special? No Christmas special, because okay. it, it's on Christmas Day. There you go. So. People, Although this, you... I don't know if this year's is actually set at Christmas, because sometimes they are, but I'm not sure if this one is. I think that in the next or something they mention it, that it's the Christmas special. But at the, the trailer the... doesn't look very Christmassy. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll we'll just have to <clears throat> wait and find out. But the, there's one more thing we wanted to do, one there. There's one more self-indulgent thing we're going to wrap this episode up in. Okay, what's that? So, a couple of weeks ago, you introduced me to the Zoom AI companion. That's right. And we've forgot to turn it on sometimes, or we've only had it on for a little bit. We've had it running for the entire show, yes. this entire recording. Yes. And we want to see what Zoom makes of our random banter as we talk about living banter poodoo. Yes. So, yeah. Why don't we... So, I'm going to click here, and we'll, we'll compare, because I wonder if it's the same... Uh, the same thing on both sides. Yeah, so let's hit catch me up, and then you can fill us in on the highlights. All right. So, people, this is our our little gift to you guys. (laughs) All right. AI Companion, I have asked it to catch me up. Here we go. Based on the meeting transcript, Jose and Trev discuss various topics related to Doctor Who and the Star Wars Holiday Special. They mentioned the Matt Smith finale, Capaldi's first episode, and the impact of Doctor Who on pop culture. They also talk about a documentary called A Disturbance in the Force that sheds light on the making of the Star Wars holiday special. They touch upon the involvement of Charles Lippincott, Lippincott, the marketing guy for 20th Century Fox, and how George Lucas was initially involved in the special but later got busy. Overall, the meeting revolves around their interest in discussing the Star Wars Holiday Special and their excitement about the documentary. So yours is completely different to mine. <laughs> I was—I mean, that so, was pretty accurate. I'm a little but, sad that they didn't mention David Tennant in there, but okay, fine. But the last bit of mine is the best. So it says, The meeting so far has covered various topics, including discussions about the Star Wars Holiday Special and a documentary called Disturbance of the Force. Mine's also a lot shorter, by the way. Um, <laughs> Participants talked about their impressions of the documentary, made sure that it provides new insights into the special. They also touched upon the significance of a holiday special in the Star Wars timeline and its impact on the franchise. Now this next bit's for kicker. Additionally, there was a brief mention of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 60% of the episode. Yeah, Come on, we would do like 40-something, 50 minutes of it. But fine, you know, if that's what you remember... This is this. I was, test- I was expecting a bit more. I was expecting a much longer yeah. transcript, to be fair. Yeah. Well, mine was longer than yours, but yes, you know. <laughs> that was disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Zoom. It was pretty accurate, though, mm. except for time. You know, for someone who's obsessed with timelines, I, I'm I'm sure that it bothers you a lot more that it can't get the time spent <laughs> on Doctor Who right. A brief mention. <laughs> a brief mention. All right. So, if you need to debate Trev. 
on when the how when life day actually happens. Go do it on Discord. So if you haven't done that, if you're not part of the Discord yet, go to utinia.com Discord. Click on the Join Now button on that page. And when you do, you know, you'll see a whole bunch of channels in there. There's one of them called the Star Wars Archives, and you can talk about anything and everything Star Wars with us. It is a holiday season, so if any of you guys have, you know, are still trying to, you know, struggling, trying to find a gift, why don't you give them a UTD shirt or something, merch? Go to utd.com slash merch, buy something from there, um, or, you know, gift us something and join our Patreon feed. And go to Nicely done. Yeah, patreon.com slash utini. And when you, you know, become a member there, and then you'll get, be able to get access to all of our episodes in advance, including, you know, if you do that, and this is, you know, you're not listening to this, to this late, but if you had done that before you, you know, if you're not a Patreon member, and you listen to this episode, and you decide to become a Patreon member, you know what you could have done? You could have listened to this on Christmas Day. So, you you know, now you're a week late. It's still, you know, you can still celebrate the holidays and everything, but now you're a little late. So if you're out of the loop. Yeah. So you're out of the loop. People on the Discord. You're not cool. No. And people have been talking about it. And you're like, what are are you guys saying? I don't know. I'm like, (laughs) you're so confused. Avoid, you know, give yourself like the gift of not being confused in possible conversations. And just, you know, become a Patreon. I think it's probably the lowest tier that gives you access to this. I, I forget because some of those things sometimes change and I'm not. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know where we're at right now. Just do something and, you know, help us out. Help yourself out. Um, and, yeah, you know, do it. Patreon, Patreon.com slash Um Trev. Yes. Besides the Discord and all that stuff, we're also on socials. And, yep, we are at you know, SW Archives Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Davey Todd on Twitter. And I am at the Joxy, J-O-X-I-I on Twitter. So hit us up in there. Hit us, you know, talk to Dave, like to, uh, to Trev on Twitter, on Discord. He'll gladly take your questions about Life Day because he loves it. <laughs> uh, or Doctor, you know, hey, Doctor Who too. So let's talk, like, we can we can turn we can talk about Doctor Who in our Discord. Anyways, Trev, anything else you want to share with our listeners? Nope. Just to thank our listeners for their loyal support and wish them all a very merry Christmas. There you go. And uh, and for you guys that are not Patreon members, and a happy New Year because you're listening to this late. So now it's New Year. <laughs> it's 2024. Uh, and yeah, happy New Year to you guys too. Next year, get on it. Listen to this at the proper time. Um, no, but we still love you. So thank you. <laughs> thank you all for listening. Thank you all for uh, for being part of this and you know continuing to hear us talk about anything and everything Star Wars. And with that, I can now say, radio out. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is this is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you. <laughs>